0: Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I I need to learn from my own preaching, don't I? Because we talked about encouragement and uh, how do you receive encouragement. And then, of course, do you remember the other question we now ask is, so what else would you encourage me with? (laughs) No, okay, all right. Well, perhaps later. (laughs) Perhaps later on. Well, how are we doing? we all right? Good, 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 good. Ah, glorious weather. Do you know, I have to say, it's really powerful, Paul, when you read that scripture. It just had weight to it. I kind of almost wanted to sit down when you spoke that scripture. It's just very powerful. The word of God is such a powerful thing. Let's pray together. Yeah, Father, we thank you for your amazing word. And I want to ask you, uh, Lord Jesus, today, that as I try and to just do my best to present some more truth, Jesus, we look to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and speak to your people. You can change lives. You can affect people. You can reveal truth to people in a way that I can only dream of. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come today and make, Lord, as as just I'm trying to say a few words, you now would bring heart change and you would shape lives. I pray that we would be different as a result of this because we have encountered the living God. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good. Well, look, uh, this morning I want to carry on uh, with our uh, discipleship study, which is what we're looking at. And if you recall, the last couple of times I've spoken, um, we have been... Uh, looking very specifically at the importance of how disciples think and the importance of what actually we really genuinely believe, what is actually going through our minds. And uh, I've been trying to help us particularly looking at the whole issue of what happens when we are adopted. Now, when you became a Christian, you gave your life to Jesus, you asked him to forgive your sin, as you know, you were adopted at that point into the family of God. We know that, don't we? Yeah, can you say the word adopted? adopted? Adopted. That's what happened to us when we came through. And I was trying to help us really just to grasp some, some of the reality and the goodness, the juice of that, if I can use that word, um, by looking at the three A's of adoption. Who can remember the first one? What was it? I thought you said ephemeral for a minute. No. Acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. We looked at these three, didn't we? We looked at affirmation. Do you remember? We we looked at the baptism of Jesus. And uh, we saw when Jesus was baptised... We saw that it says that Jesus looked up and he saw the heavens being torn open. So we, we recognise the Father was tearing the heavens open, this kind of violent act, so that he could shout out publicly over his son. This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Do you remember us going through that? And so, in other words, what the Father is doing is saying, I am urgently wanting to affirm my love for my son. And I'm going to shout out in the middle of this public uh, thing that's happening to him, just what I feel. And we just saw the affirmation of God being richly poured over Jesus. Jesus had done nothing at this point to deserve it. He, just a, he is God's son. And, and God the Father pours out his love. And we also saw that's how God feels about you. When you are adopted into God's family, you become a child of God. And God loves to affirm you. He loves to say over you, you are my beloved child, and with you I am well pleased. Do you know that? It almost feels too good to be true. Immediately, we kind of think, well, there must be an exception in my case, don't we? Some of you right now will be thinking, well, yeah, that's true for them, but no, no. God says, you are my beloved child, with you, I am well pleased. That's true of all children of God. So we looked at affirmation. Then we looked at acceptance. And we saw, as Christians, we were fully acceptable to God. Do you remember us going through this? Yeah, one or two nods. Good. That's, that's, <laughs> that's encouraging, I think. Um, we saw that we were fully acceptable to God. And we're acceptable because Jesus has made us righteous. We receive the righteousness of Christ, don't we? It's kind of a direct swap. That's what happens when you become a a Christian. Your sin, Jesus, became sin for us. Your sin is now accounted for. It's dealt with. You get the righteousness of Christ. You are now fully acceptable in the sight of God. And we saw, if you don't believe, actually, that you're acceptable, you will probably feel that you have been rejected. And if, if actually you feel that you have been rejected, that will trigger all sorts of emotions in you. It will make you feel that you are unloved, unwanted, not valued. A whole bunch of very, very negative things can, can leave you quite depressed. And that we saw the tragedy of it is that God has accepted us, yet sometimes, even, even though that's true, we feel that we've been rejected. And that we saw this was weird not right for a Christian. So I trust just looking at this whole thing of acceptance has brought you into line much more with the truth of what's happened to you. And it's really good. It's really good that we've been accepted. So today, I'd like to look at the last of these three A's, and I'd like to look at access, that we have access to God. I want to say to you, I think this is another critical bit of understanding, to understand the richness of what it means to be adopted as children of God. And to grip this, gripping the truth of this is important. Let's read a couple of scriptures together. Hebrews 4. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some versions have boldness. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's just read that again. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's read another one together, Hebrews 10:19 to 22. Again, this is Paul speaking, and he says, uh, "Sorry, no, it's not Paul. with pure water. You know both of those scriptures talk about the free access we have to God. That as Christians we can just come right before God and just start saying hey father. We don't have to go through some weird religious ritual, we don't have to go through purity, you know, uh, processes. We just come. We just bowl in before our father and say hey father. And we have full access to him. Full access to him. Uh, I have to say, I've got to tell you a little story now. Because uh, the value of access was something I learned uh, quite early on in my life. And uh, I was somewhere between the ages of about 5 and 10, I seem to remember. And I can remember my sister at that point, who was 8 years older than me, coming up to me as a little boy and saying, Adam, you are never, ever, ever, ever ever, to come into my room. I mean, I, you know, I'm, you're never, certainly when I'm not there. And even when I'm there, I'm not sure I really want you in there anyway. So it was, the message was very clear. Keep out of my room. Now, that sounds a little harsh on my sister, doesn't it? But actually, if you knew me at that stage, you would realize that was quite wise. <laughs> because um, I had a certain reputation when I was uh, that age for breaking things. And I had, if not every day, probably every week, um, it became a kind of thing. Oh, Adam's broken, whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't remember being... It wasn't sort of naughtiness. I think it was sort of partly accidental. Well, some of the time. And um, I, do, I do remember, on a couple of occasions, thinking. I found a nail once, and I remember thinking, I wonder if this would go through a car tire. <laughs> and so I, what I did is I... <laughs> I shoved it, I wedged it under the, the wheel so that when it was reversed out, I would find out whether it would you know, burst. Into, I just wanted to find out. And you know what it does? It does break it. I think NASA need to know that this is an important... I thought, oh, yeah, look at that. And then they, That's really interesting. There was another occasion when I found a hammer. that was not good. That's not good for me to have found a hammer at that age in my life. And I remember, I don't know, I must have watched a film or something, and I was on, in my mind, on some kind of mission. And uh, I remember thinking, I wonder what would happen if I give the car headlight a little tap with this hammer. And do you know what? Do you know what? They're not substantial, car headlights. And I remember thinking, well, look, I look at that. That's disappointing. I wonder if the other one would be the same. So I went round to that and gave that a little tap just to see if it was pff, very insubstantial. And I'm not I certainly I certainly began to work my way around all four corners of the car, just thinking this was interesting, you know. And I, I not I can't remember where I got round all four. I may have actually. Um, anyway, I was certainly, you know, going where I and my dad arrived. And he didn't share my same sense of exploration and wonder at, at the, the, you know, the insubstantial nature of headlights. Um, and it didn't end well for me at that point. So you can understand why my sister would have got hold of Adam, the destroyer, and said, no, you are not to come into my room. You are to keep out at all costs. Uh, I really don't blame her at all. And particularly, since she was really, at this stage... Uh, into collecting little delicate glass figurines. (laughs) Little, little delicate, you know, dancing things and uh, animals, little glass blown. She had quite a good collection as well in her room. So she was clearly thinking, no, 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 this is not a good combination. Adam, you are not to come into my room. (laughs) Thing is... When you're 10 and you're told, you have no access here, that's not good psychology, is it really? I mean, what's the very thing a 10-year-old wants to do when he's been told, you can't come in here? Man, I was desperate to get in that room. And I'm not dumb. So I waited until she'd gone out. And there were no locks in the room. And I was in there like a shot. To be honest, it was really boring. There wasn't much in there at all. I thought, oh, no, no, But I did have a little look at these glass things. I just thought, what's this? Oh, it's quite light, isn't it? <laughs> Perhaps I could juggle with them. <laughs> and uh, if you're wondering, yes, eventually, after a few visits, I did, I did break one. And uh, I can't remember what I did, whether I just, in horror, ran, or whether I propped the leg up, you know, thinking she won't, she won't notice that. She did. And um, the hairbrush was duly administered to me. <clears throat> yeah. No. No. Yeah, that was a memory. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, but you know, you just you're desperate, aren't you? Uh, I I just want to say to you, God isn't like that. (laughs) Because whenever I heard my sister return, I was out that room, bang straight away, because I knew I was somewhere where I shouldn't be. You don't have to sneak into the presence of God. You don't have to get there, and when you're there, think, should I be here? Instead, it's like God says to his throne room, let me hold the door open for you so you can come in. And not only does he say, I'm going to hold the door open for you, he says, I want you to come in. Here are all my glass figurines. Play with them. You can come in. I want you in. You are welcomed in. We have unrestricted access to God. Christians... That is stunning. That is stunning. There is something very uh, empowering and affirming about being allowed access somewhere. And of course, it's all through Jesus. Uh, I hadn't planned to tell you this, but it's a little story that's told in Alpha of a um, a soldier in the American Civil War. And uh, he was desperate to get home because his uh, siblings had been killed. And he needed to get back to his, his mum on the farm to get the harvest in. And uh, he tried to go up to the White House to speak to Abraham Lincoln. And uh, they said to him, no, soldier, you can't come in. You know? And he was very sad. And he sat on a bench. And he was just troubled, really. And then this little boy came up to him and said, you look sad. What's the matter? And he, told, he poured out his story to this little boy. And uh, this little boy said, come with me. And this little boy took this soldier around to a back entrance. And there was a soldier on guard. And uh, the soldier opened the gate for this little boy. And the soldier went with him. He thought, well, this is strange. And then, he went, and then they opened the, the White House and went into the White House. And they went up some stairs and nobody said anything. He was just allowed to go wherever he wanted. And eventually they got to the Oval Room where the president was. And he just pushed open the door and went straight in. And Abraham Lincoln was sitting behind his desk. And Abraham Lincoln said, oh, hi, Todd. How are you? And he said, dad, I need to talk to you. This soldier's got a story. And the soldier pours out his story and he is allowed to go home. That's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has made a way for us to access the Father. There's no questions. There are no closed doors. We just come straight before him. So it's wonderful. So it means that you can be walking down the street and you can just start praying. You can say, God, I need your help. Can you help me? You can wake up in the middle of the night troubled with thoughts and just say, God, can you, look, I bring these things to you? Interesting, we've had a call this morning to pray. You know, Sandra brought, say, okay, come before me. With, I, I want to say you can do it because you have access to God. We have a spirit, you know, within us that cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Now, why does our spirit cry out? It's so that Father will say, yes, son, daughter. And that's what happens when you, you have access to him. The Father will come. He's a good Father. He loves to come. Our spirit cries out, Abba. We, we love connect, connection with Father. And he affirms us and accepts us. He lives actually in us and we in him. It's very intimate, close connection. Continual access. And we know from scripture, he wants us to take advantage of this access. The Bible says this, ask, seek, knock. We heard it this morning. Come to me and ask. He's a really good dad. Come, take full advantage of this access. It's really important, Christians, we just recognize freshly that we have this amazing access. Because it's not always been like this. It's not always been like this. Before Jesus came, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, and we can now just access whenever we want, it wasn't like that. For a thousand years, there was absolute restriction into the presence of God. In fact, we couldn't get there. Um... I just want to talk to you a little bit about the temple system, the the, the system of temple worship that existed for a thousand years before the time of Jesus. Now, uh, the temple was the kind of center of the worship system in Israel, and as you know, there were two temples. The first one was built by Solomon, it lasted about uh, 400 years before it was destroyed, uh, and then uh, the people were taken into captivity. When they return, they rebuild the, the temple. The second temple is built, and then towards the end of its existence, it's, rebuilt, it's remodeled, really, by Herod. So sometimes it's called Herod's Temple. I just wanted to show you. So uh, here, that that's just a, a comparison. That just shows you the size of Solomon's temple, and then this is the remodeled temple. These are artists' impressions, by the way, but it's, it's, I think it gives us an idea... Uh, uh, of um, uh, the temple that Herod then rebuilt. And you can see he's extended uh, quite a lot of it. So it's significant. The whole complex now is significantly larger. Now, um, this is important. And I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus in on the second of these two temples because this is the one that existed at the time of Jesus. So I've got a floor plan for you shows you so so you can see that's the actual temple area itself that's obviously the second court. Now the only thing you can't see on this is uh, there is a a low wall around this whole um, uh, complex and the gap between these outer black walls that you can see here and these these extra walls that aren't shown on this uh, um, map are called the Court of the Gentiles so uh, basically, if you were a non-Jew, if you were a Gentile, that was as close to the presence of God as you were allowed to get. Because the Jews believed that the presence of God uh, dwelt in the center, a place called the Holy of Holies, in that temple. So if you were uh, a Gentile, on this, uh, this low wall that would be around the whole um, complex, there were messages written in a number of different languages, basically saying, if you are not a Jew, you are not to come into this temple on pain of death. Uh, So they were quite, you know, very explicit messages. So basically, if you were a Gentile, the closest you could get to the presence of God was to stare up at these outer walls. There was a wall in the way. God's presence was somewhere behind that, but you could not get closer than that. Now, if you were Jewish, things were slightly different. Um, The way that Herod rebuilds this, he builds this uh, section on the front here. It's called the Women's Court, and that's where everyone would come in. So if you were a Jewish woman, you were allowed into this area, but no further. So again, you knew the presence of God was somewhere behind a wall, but you couldn't get any further. If you were a man, you were allowed a little bit closer. You could come into this area here called the court of the Israelites, sometimes the uh, court of uh, men. But you were absolutely not allowed to go any further than that. You certainly couldn't go the other side of the altar. If you went the other side of the altar, that was punishable by death. Now, if you were a uh, Levite, a priest, you were allowed to go the other side of the altar And you can see the priest's court here. And uh, also sometimes you could make uh, entry into elements of the temple. It's called the sanctuary here. Actually, the original one, it was called the holy place inside the temple. And then uh, occasionally they would come in and there were some priestly duties that they could perform. But then the presence of God was housed in this area here called the holy of holies. And... um, Uh, it was separated from the holy place by a massive curtain. Many of you will know this. It was 40 cubits high, that's 60 feet high. Massive, and it cordoned off the whole of that area, and it was a very thick curtain. There was no peeking, in other words. It, It just was thick, and it was in the way. So even as a priest, the closest you could get to the presence of God was to stare at a curtain. And you knew his presence was somewhere behind that curtain. The only person that could get into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And he could go in once a year. And he would go in on the day of atonement. And uh, he would uh, be ritually cleaned. um, And there would be sacrifices and blood would be sprinkled. And then he was allowed to go in once a year. And then uh, atonement would be made for the sins of the people of Israel. And they had to do that every year. Every year they had to, more sacrifices, they had to go back again. Uh, The the people were were, uh, forgiven for their sins uh, once a year. But even the high priest, once a year only. The message is really clear. God is holy. You are not. You need to keep out. And the people feared this. Because there are plenty of um, uh, Old Testament stories of when people got too close to the presence of God, they die. You know those stories, some of you. Um, So God's presence was something to be feared. You could not just wander in. You couldn't just say, oh, can I have a chat? No. No, some of you could only see a wall. The majority uh, could see a wall or a curtain. That was it. You didn't get any closer. For fear of your life. Jesus comes. Everything changes. Jesus dies on the cross. His righteousness is now attributed to you. Now you are fit to go into the Holy of Holies. Because you now are holy. Because he was righteous and holy. And he attributes that to you. You get it. And of course, we know that when Jesus dies on the cross, what happens to the curtain? It's torn, isn't it? From the top, 60 foot up. From the top, it's ripped in half. God's statement is clear. No longer will I live in a little area. Now I will live in you. Now you and I are the temple. We are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you. When you go into work, the temple of God has just arrived. I mean, they might not call you that, mine, but, but, but that's what's happened. That's what's happened. The presence of God goes with you. Now, I have to tell you, just so you're wondering, this system is now totally redundant. Totally redundant. There is no point. Having a temple. There is no point making sacrifices. The sacrifice has come. Jesus has come. The Lamb of God has come. He was sacrificed once and for all. You don't need to go back year on year. Oh, let's, let's, this was a system of sort of covering sin. Jesus dealt with sin. It was dealt with, dealt with, done, gone, finished. You become righteous, eternally righteous. Oh, God, this is stunning stuff. Now, now you can come into the presence of God. You need not fear being struck dead by the holiness of God. Years ago, they did, rightly. Now, this sort of temporary system that was set up, now we have Him. We are clothed in righteousness, clothed in Christ. The Father welcomes you into His presence. It's quite good. <laughs> Oh, just want to say to you as well, if you are new to the Bible, um, understanding something of this temple system is quite important for you. Uh, Just going back to this, because references to the temple are all the way through the New Testament. So you are going to need to understand, I mean, just in this one scripture here, you've got... um, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Well, that's the holy of holies I've just described to you. That's what he's referring to there. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. The curtain, of course, is this curtain that separated God from from men. Um, That's the reference it's got. Um, uh, There's another one here. Uh, Since we have a great priest, it's Jesus now is our high priest. He's the one that, that goes in for us, and we're able to come in because of him. So just in that one scripture, there are three, in fact there are more than that, but there are three illustrations, uh, bits of reference used out of the Old Testament. It's why it's important to understand the Old Testament. To understand that the new covenant is so infinitely superior. It's like It was described like this. It's like an old car, this system, the temple system. And now Jesus has arrived. A brand new Bentley has just a- appeared. And you were driving an old banger. We've moved to something infinitely superior uh, compared to this old system. Okay. You know, um, this access that we have to God is unique in Christianity, is unique even among religions today. Most other world religions have lots of restriction. So if you are a Muslim, uh, you are taught... You cannot know God. You can't know God. That's impossible. You are taught that he can be merciful, but uh, that he is to be feared and obeyed. You don't have a loving heavenly father who wants to whisper encouragement into your ear, tell you that you're my son, my daughter, and I love you, and I'm for you. There's close relationship. No, none of that. No, no, there's just massive restrictions. You cannot access God. And even modern-day Judaism, I was listening to a, a rabbi, uh, in the, in the, in the, just to prepare for this, I was listening to a rabbi talk on prayer, Jewish prayer. I wanted to find out what they kind of felt. And uh, he was talking about prayer, and he said, you can pray at home. He said, but actually it's much better if you pray in the synagogue, because that's a holy place in his view, and therefore God's more likely to hear you. So in other words, restriction exists in his mind. The scripture says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We see why, because of Jesus. But it then says, so that we may receive. I want to ask a question, last five minutes or so. Why would we fail to approach the throne of grace with confidence? when we're allowed to. You've got access. Why would we fail to do that? Well, a couple of quick thoughts. I wonder if over-familiarity can play its part. We don't value it because it's so easy, so easy. Talking to uh, my mother-in-law the other day, she said when she was a little girl, she was uh, given a present when she was uh, uh, for Christmas of a bag of marbles and she was thrilled with a bag of marbles. Now we bury our kids, don't we, in presents and they're bored of their stuff, like instantly. They don't value it. F- familiar, familiarity just breeds a sense of uh, even contempt. Oh, I hope not that, but... I hope that understanding the restriction of the old will help you freshly to realize what it is you've got in your hands. You can access the living God. easy. Uh, Why else, then, would we fail to approach his throne of grace with confidence? Well, I I suspect some of us don't really quite believe that we have full access to God. I mean, that sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Can you just say the word access? Access. Good, I just wanted to make sure you're awake. Yeah, you see, we can believe we're not worthy. We're not worthy to enter into the presence of God. He is to be feared, can be our view. Therefore, how can I come before Him? Probably that will be particularly true if you have a rejection mindset. Let me ask you a question What kind of access do you think you have to God? I mean, I've just given you the answer now, so you're going to give me the right answer, aren't you? But you know what I mean. In your heart, what kind of access do you believe you have? Do you believe you have restricted access or full access? What do you actually believe? And if you don't know, let me ask you a couple of questions. You see, if you believe you are being denied access, this is my sister's room again, um, you'll probably be quite irritated about it. You know, there is immense frustration in being denied access. And if you feel every time you come to God, basically there's a denial of access, you'll probably have a very demoralized, listless, energyless relationship with God. Because what you're hearing every time you come is, no, you wait there, you're not good enough, don't you come here. Now that's not true, but it could be what you're hearing I want to say this. I think knowing that you have access to God is at the core of having a dynamic relationship with Jesus. If you know every time you come, he's there. Yes, son, daughter. What can I do? For you? Where are you? What do you, what do you, if you know you have that kind of access, it will change your relationship. Now, if you don't know whether. Uh, wh- you know, I don't know whether I... I'm not sure. Do I, how do I feel about having access? Let me ask you a question. What's your prayer life like? What's your prayer life like? Is it difficult? Do you feel, oh, I'll never be answered? Oh, it takes ages. What's all this? How about this? Do you feel that other people's prayer life is more effective than yours? So if I've got a need, I go to that person, and then they can pray, because God will hear you. He won't, I'm not sure he'll hear me, but he'll hear you. Hello, does anybody recognize this? Yeah. Oh, good, I'm not my own. <laughs> yeah, see, that could be a sense of, I'm not sure whether I've got access to God or not. You have been adopted by an amazingly good father. He is far better than we realize. And we kinda know he's good, but he's even better than that. And he loves to shower his children with good things. The truth is that God affirms you and his great love for you. He fully accepts you. You are fully acceptable to him. And also, he gives you full access into his presence. These are valuable, rich things. I want to encourage you to grip hold of these things, to go pray about them, to say, God, where do I stand on these three? As you grasp these truths more deeply, I believe it will transform you and your relationship with him. These are rich things that we can have as children of God. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, I again want to come to you and ask. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you help us with this thing of access? Thank you that you give us free access to you. I want to ask you to forgive us where we've just taken it for granted I want to ask you to stir us, Lord, in this whole matter of prayer and coming to you and having confidence that you hear us. Lord, would you stir us again in that? And Lord, I want to pray for anyone who feels that they are being denied access because they are not good enough. Lord, I want to ask you to set them free. Phil Wilhue describes, says this, um, the last death blow to a rejection mindset is the knowledge that as sons and daughters, we now have full access to the Father. And this breaks the old lie that I am excluded, powerless, and always bound to be forgotten and left out. Father, I ask you to break any lies that people are feeling excluded or powerless, always going to be forgotten, left out. Lord, it is not true. And I ask you to bring revelation, deep, heartfelt revelation of the truth of these matters in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.